I'm reading my Bible and going to church, but God still seems so far away. Does God love me? My parents hate me. My friends don't even like me. Nobody cares about me. Does God really love me? God, my mom was such a good person. Why did you let her die? Why did you let this happen? God, I wanted that job so bad. I pray so hard. You would have been perfect. Why didn't you answer my prayers? God, would you really send someone to help? Why am I still struggling? I just want to stop and I can't. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you in church today. People are coming back. It's neat to see people I haven't seen in a while. We're so glad that you're here. I want to welcome everyone that's watching online right now. I want to ask how many are here for the very first time. Would you just raise your hand? We want you to feel welcome and a part of this wonderful family. This is week two of a series we've called Too Afraid to Ask. And we're taking on some of the tough questions that people want to know about but are too afraid to ask. So today we're going to be talking about a very serious subject, so buckle up. It's going to be a, a good word. But an unwritten rule in church is if you want people to keep coming back, you want to keep them happy, don't talk about these three things. Politics, money, or hell. So today, we're not talking about money or politics. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. I felt like I was in the crowd with you. Today, we are going to be talking about hell. Now, when I was growing up, it's funny because of, that was a bad word. I was raised where you don't say that. And so what we would say as kids, we would say H-E double hockey sticks. Culture has changed as that word now is thrown around like crazy. You see politicians saying, what the H-E, double hockey sticks? Or you could just go to H-E, double hockey sticks. But in the Southern way, we can even say it in church, hail no. Hail. But as a kid, I was frightened because they talked about this a lot in the church that I was raised in. It seemed like they were talking about hell a lot, a lot about Armageddon growing up. So a lot of my dreams were, you know, I'm afraid I'm gonna go to hell, I'm afraid that we're gonna be bombed tonight. But I always prayed this prayer, and it's a strange prayer to pray as a kid. You would think this prayer would give you peace, but it, it didn't give me peace, as I would pray every night, like many of you. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, I'm three years old. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, amen. My mom would say, good night, son, and I would lay there for hours like, I might die tonight, Lord. What's going on with my soul? But hell is something that we need to talk about. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna try to answer some tough questions that people have about hell, an understanding of what hell is, the purpose of hell, and we're gonna go through scripture and really dissect what it means and what it means for us as believers. So in your notes, I encourage you to take out your notes and follow along today. The first question is this. Why would a loving God send people to hell? If God is love, 
And then if you don't know Jesus, you burn forever. That doesn't sound very loving, does it? But we're gonna talk about that today because you see the enemy, Satan, hates us. And he wants to do anything in his power to deceive us. And so if hell is real and I were the devil, my goal would be to convince you that hell is not a real place. It is not a place that you need to take seriously. See, he's a deceiver. That's his job. If I were the devil, I would tell you to live however you want, justify any sin that you're committing. If it feels good, American, do it. That's the society that we have. Just reject Christ, have no fear of God. If I were the devil, I would tell you to live a ridiculously self-centered life, craving comfort, sacrificing nothing, in fact, rejecting sacrifice, avoiding persecution. Oh my goodness, don't try to tell your friends about Jesus. You're gonna look like a geek, you're gonna look like there's something wrong. If I were the devil, these are the things that I would tell you. Loving this world is something that will not last, but that's the culture is telling us to do anything you can to love now more than anything. See, hell is a subject that we find throughout the Bible. Interesting that Jesus talks more about hell than anyone else in scripture. He was the most loving person that's ever lived, and when he talked about hell, it wasn't to scare somebody so that they wouldn't go to hell. He was always using hell as a motivator to Christians to live a life that's worthy of Jesus, to live a life that's spiritual. If you say that you are saved, then live a life because hell is a real place. You see, Jesus didn't walk around like an angry street preacher with a bullhorn trying to scare people. Jesus didn't want people to go to hell. Matthew chapter five, verse 29 says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. The word hell in Matthew chapter five here is translated from the word Gehenna. Gehenna refers to an actual place in the southwest corner of Jerusalem. This southwest corner of Jerusalem was known as the Valley of Ben-Hinnom. This is that valley right here. In centuries before Jesus, there was an evil king by the name of King Ahaz. He worshiped the false god Molech. And Molech and, and A King Ahaz was known for child sacrifices that he would lay before this false god. Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 31. It says, they have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in fire. Notice, the picture I showed you here, it's a barren valley. You don't see any homes in this valley. There's no businesses in this valley. People believe that this valley is cursed and cut off completely from the presence of God. And because of history, this valley became a nasty garbage dump. It's where they would throw dead animals, human waste, sewage. Bodies of executed criminals would be thrown into this valley. And there was a horrendous smell and a fire that was smoldering that never burned out. This valley was known as the land 
of no more. We're going a little deep into this. Are you okay? You still with me today? I feel like Pastor Tim. I'm nerding out on you a little bit. How many are joining the Ephesians class with Pastor Tim O'Fallon? Come on, that's good. The valley was known as the valley of no more. No more beauty, no more laughing, no more peace, no more friends, no more joy, no hope, no more chances. And so when Jesus talked about hell, he wasn't talking about some dungeon or torture chamber. Much worse than that, Jesus was talking about a place that was cut off from everything that's good. It was cut off from God's presence. See, the essence of heaven is full of God's presence. Hell is the absence of the presence of God. So we're gonna look at scripture as to why hell exists. There are two reasons that we're gonna look at today from scripture of why hell. Number one, hell exists for God to righteously punish Satan. See, a lot of people when they envision Satan, this is what they do in culture. They put this little cartoon guy on the right shoulder telling you bad things to do and this little angel on the other side and they make him out to be just something that you can make fun of or something that's goofy. I want you to know Satan is evil He's horrible, and he's not to be made fun of. Satan is the embodiment of all evil. That's Satan. So behind every addiction, there is Satan. Behind every abuse, there is Satan. Behind every fear, every pain, every bit of shame that you may feel, behind that is Satan. In scripture, he's called the destroyer the deceiver, the dark angel, the accuser. That's why we talk about spiritual warfare and we want you to be equipped for the battle because the battle is not with flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers of darkness. And God's given us as believers all authority over the evil one. We have authority over Satan himself in Jesus' name. Know that, know that. He's the tempter. He's the wicked one. He's the thief. Satan is the father of lies. And he came, to, he, was, he came to this earth with a mission to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal us of our joy. He wants to kill the faith that is within us. He wants to destroy our health, ruin our finances, obliterate our marriages, and he wants to take your kids away from you. That's why I say so often, why are we on the front lines with student ministry? We're not trying to reach a bunch of church kids, we're trying to reach people that are lost, that need Jesus. We wanna provide a place where they're gonna come in and they're gonna hear the truth of the gospel that's not gonna be watered down. It's gonna be the truth that they need to hear and they will respond. We see it every single week. But parents, this isn't the time when your kids are teenagers to say, I've had enough, I can't take it anymore. The stuff they're listening to, they're putting lies inside of their head. They're putting perversity inside of their head and they're listening and that's exactly what Satan himself wants our kids to be doing. It's time to fight for our kids. Fight for our family, fight for our marriages. You know, one of my favorite things I ever did is when we had that, that wrestling ring. 
and I was able to beat that guy up that represented Satan. I want to tell you, it, if I could have, but I, I would have just stayed in that ring the entire time and just kept beating on him, kept kicking him. I, I clotheslined him. I would have laid a DDT on him. I would have put him in a full Boston Crab. I would have laid a figure four leg lock on him. I would have done all kinds, but I'm a pastor. <laughs> and as a pastor, I tried to keep my heart right, and I just gave him a clothesline and a Hulk Hogan leg drop and then kicked him out of the ring because that's exactly where he needs to be. That's exactly what we need to do to understand the authority that we have and take the authority that Jesus has given us to take back our kids in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching to the choir today. Thank you, choir. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. This is John writing. And he said, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Aren't you glad the end of the story? The devil is going to end up in the lake of fire. That's right where he belongs. See, he's walking around like he's in charge in this world right now. The end of the book says exactly where he's going to go for eternity, burning and suffering. Seems fair, doesn't it? That seems like a fair God that would throw Satan himself into the lake of fire. Now, the next verse that I'm gonna read in just a couple moments is much more challenging and it makes us think a lot deeper into the subject of hell, especially in today's culture. Today's culture is don't talk about sin, you just do whatever you wanna do, but you see, it's so important that we talk about sin because sin is what brings a divisiveness between us and God. What is sin? It's missing the mark. It's doing what's not God's best for our life. It's doing what's wrong in the eyes of God. In fact, it's doing the contrary action of God. So when it comes to our sins, oftentimes we prefer a God that will look the other way. Or maybe a God that'll just wink at you, hey, it's okay, kid, it's all right, no big deal. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you can just do whatever you wanna do. See, that's what this culture wants us to believe towards God. But I want you to know there is a standard of God. His very character is he is holy. Holiness is so important to God because that's who he is. He is a holy God. But it's impossible for God to be holy without being just. Wickedness and evil must be punished because God is holy. So, number one, hell exists to righteously punish Satan. Number two in your notes, hell exists to righteously punish evil. Now, this is the verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 8, and this is the Apostle Paul talking. It says, God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So if we don't accept the reality of hell, we'll never appreciate the depth of God's grace. His grace is sufficient for us. Thank God for what he did for you and I because of what he did for us and the acceptance of his being our Lord and Savior it's not that he was gonna send us to hell, he saved us from hell. 
He's a saving God. And when we begin to look at what God did and his purpose was to save a generation, to save a people from the pit of hell, we begin to look at what our responsibility as Christians truly are. Jesus told us a parable that we're gonna look at today. I love the way Jesus taught. He often taught in stories and in parables. And this is Luke chapter 16 where we see this parable that kind of unfolds and gives you the visual of truly what hell is about. Luke 16, starting in verse 19. says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now this just wasn't just a mildly rich man that just had a few extra bucks. This was an enormously rich man. The color purple was significant because in scripture, when you wore purple, that represented royalty. So this was a royal person. And purple in, this, in linen was an infused dye that was, it cost so much for this expensive dye. Linen in these days if you wore one outfit that was made of linen, that could feed one person for an entire year. So this rich man was massively rich. It was a man of great wealth. Verse 19 says, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. This isn't the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. This is another Lazarus. Covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So in these times, rich people, when they would wash their hands, oftentimes all the breadcrumbs that they had just eaten would fall onto a table and they would give the breadcrumbs to the dogs. Well, this beggar was just asking for the breadcrumbs that was fallen from the table. Verse 22 says, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where the rich man was in torment, Hades, it's translated as the place of the dead, a place of punishment in the Greek there. He looked up, the rich man looked up, saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am agony, I am in agony in this fire. Now the next part is very, very emotional moment as Jesus is telling this story. Verse 27, it says, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. See, as believers, we need to take seriously what is ahead for those that don't know Christ. And if we really believe that, we will be an entirely different way of living that will be a light. When God's called you to be a light, there are people around you that don't know Jesus, but when you shine the light brightly, day in and day out, God will use you to be that light, to rescue them with the message of Jesus Christ. There are four lessons that we're gonna learn from this moment here with Lazarus and the rich man. Number one, the rich man was fully conscious and aware. He had memory. He felt the pain, he was hurting. And he was full of massive regret. If I only could have, if I only would have, I would have changed the entire way that I lived. 
He was conscious of that. Number two, the rich man's eternity was irrevocably fixed. He knew that it was done. This was his destiny, this was his eternity, and there was nothing that was gonna change this at that moment. Number three, the rich man knew his suffering was just. He knew that his suffering was fair. He complained about the pain, but he never complained about the injustice. He knew what would happen to his brothers if they didn't trust Christ. And number four, the rich man begged and pleaded for someone to help his brothers know Jesus. All this in this parable told so much about hell and eternity in hell. So, once again, if I were the devil, which I'm not, I'm Pastor Glenn, but if, if I was, and I'm trying to lead people astray, I would try to convince them that hell's not a real place. Listen to the world, the world's like, hell, give me a break. Yeah, whatever, hell. It's just like no big deal. <laughs> it's not real. Guess what? The enemy's winning by convincing people that hell is not a real place. Don't take it seriously, that's a joke, it's a Bible story. Really, hell? Come on, let's go party. Forget about that. If I were the devil, I would convince you to live however you want to live and just think that that's okay. Just justify any sin you wanna commit. I would convince you to reject Christ. I would let you know that you don't need to have any fear of God. Live a ridiculously self-centered life, craving comfort, rejecting sacrifice, avoiding persecution, loving this world like so many do today. They're just loving this world. But this world, the Bible describes this world in our lives, it's just a mist. Whatever, whatever our life is in the scope of eternity, it's a moment. And so many are so caught up in this mist that they lose sight of eternity, of what's ahead. Church, I can't wait for heaven. I am homesick, as Pastor Elena shared. I'm homesick. I can't wait. Elaine and I, when we pray, oftentimes she'll say, I, let today be the day. Let's go. If I were Jesus, I would do all these things to bring confusion to people, to say it's okay, just do what you want to do. But you see, once I said earlier, Jesus wasn't trying to scare people into heaven and out of hell. It was to encourage us as believers to live our lives righteously and to be a light. So it's not fair, we say. Good people going to heaven. I don't like this message today, Pastor Glenn. I don't know. You know, I, I want to come back when you're just telling me how much God loves me and you're just being funny and those are better days for me. Well, at Countryside, we're gonna speak the truth of the gospel. We're not gonna candy cut it, we're not gonna sugar, it's just the truth of the gospel. Remember last week we talked about a good person? So many people, they say, well, I'm good, I'm gonna go to heaven, I'm good. None of us are good. Jesus is the only man that ever lived a life and was good. Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's an evangelist by the name of Ray Comfort. He does street ministry. And when he goes and he ministers to people on the street, he asks them some questions that I'm gonna ask you today. 
and I'm gonna ask you to participate by raising your hand. Have any of you ever lied in your life? Thank you for voting. Those that aren't participating, it's okay, I'll get over it. You don't have to. Well, what does that mean? You're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? Even when you were little, have you ever stolen anything? Maybe gum or something from your brother or pencil? You know what that makes you? A thief. Now, I'm not gonna have you vote on this one. Has anyone looked at a person with lust in your heart? You could just raise your eyebrows to me if you have. <laughs> well, guess what that means? In scripture, it says if you've looked at someone with lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery inside of your heart towards that person. Have you, have you ever said the Lord's name in vain? We're gonna vote again. Ever just said the Lord's name in vain? Some, the, some of the super spiritual people say, I will never have a glen. Well, people in the Old Testament that used the Lord's name in vain were called blasphemers. And they were punished by death for being a blasphemer. So church, as we look around at how great we are as a bunch of lying, thieving, adulterating blasphemers, welcome to Countryside Christian Church. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Yes. God is holy. And he's just, but because he is just, he must punish sin. But you see, he's not just just. God is love. And it's not just for what he does. It's, it's not just part of who he, he is justice, and God is love. Romans 5, starting in verse 8, it says, But God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, we will certainly be saved from God's condemnation. Now, because of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. As believers, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Jesus' death on the cross paid the debt for our sin. The wages of sin is death. What are the wages? Christ paid those wages by going to the cross, the perfect lamb of God to sacrifice his life for us. Displaying his amazing grace and unquenchable love. We become righteous because Jesus is righteous. And we take on Jesus and his righteousness when we receive him as Lord and Savior. You're looking at a righteous pastor up here today. But guess what? I'm looking at a righteous group of people in this room, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is inside of you. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. You see, this is who Jesus is. He is love. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So who did Jesus come for? Jesus came for the sinners, not the righteous ones. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for those that were hurt and broken because he wants to raise them up and bring healing and wholeness. He came for those that fell from God, those who fell short. Jesus came to restore and heal and put you into that right place. For those who have lied, 
those that have lusted, those that have cheated, those that have stolen, those that are envious, and those that are dead in their sins, that's who Jesus came for. That's the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He came for the lost. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So is the gospel message for everyone? It looks to me like he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance. That's why a loving God doesn't send us to hell. It's a loving God that wants to save us from hell. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life, a life that's abundant, a life that is full, a life that is so amazing as we walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ. You see, accepting Jesus Christ, there are side effects. You ever buy, look at the, the medicines on TV, they'll say, hey, take this and you'll, you'll feel great for the rest of your life, but there's a, you're gonna have a heart attack, you're probably gonna die, you're gonna have this, you're gonna bleed out, you're gonna this, you're gonna hurt, your arm's gonna fall off, your leg's gonna fall off, you're, you're gonna stub your big toe, you know, all, all of the, no, here's the side effects of Jesus, are you ready? Real love, real love. What does this world offer? Fake, fake, phony, counterfeit love. How many want real love in this place? Jesus, it's a side effect. True joy. So many people are looking for things in this world to give them a moment of happiness. No, Jesus wants to give you joy unspeakable. Joy that's beyond your wildest imagination and perfect peace in a world of such great uncertainty and fear. As believers, we can walk in the perfect peace that only God can give. See, that's why I want everyone to know Jesus like I know Jesus. It's not to just avoid hell, but it's to live a life that's abundant with an excitement of eternal life, to experience the goodness Truly the goodness, the grace, and love that only comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I urge you, brethren and sisters, we don't walk in fear of hell. We're compelled to go out every single day of our lives to be a light in a very dark world. God's called us to be the light, and I urge you to take that seriously. I urge you because every day that Jesus doesn't come back is another day that we get to populate heaven a little bit more. I don't know about you, I wanna be a heaven populator. I wanna be a hope dealer. I wanna give love and peace to those around us through Jesus Christ. And I urge you, church, if we take that seriously, look around, there's a lot of people here today, but I'm seeing a few empty seats. Maybe that's your, maybe that's your cousin's seat. Maybe that's your next door neighbor's seat. Maybe that's someone you work with. Maybe that's their seat where they're gonna have the opportunity to come in and hear the truth of the gospel message. How good our God is. How unconditional loving Jesus is. 
that no matter what has happened in your past, listen to me. This is where so many people are stuck, in the shame of what they've done in their past. If you're hearing accusations in your mind, guess who that's coming from? It's not coming from God. It's coming from Satan. He wants you stuck in your shame. He wants you stuck in your past. But I want to tell you, there's nothing you can do to change yesterday. But my goodness, you could change eternities by how you live today and tomorrow by the people that God has assigned to you to love, to respect, to show care, and to be Jesus to them. I'm not gonna reach your cousin. They don't know me. I invite your cousin to church, you're like, whatever. I don't even know you. But you invite your cousin? Change your world, one soul at a time. And we begin to do that, church, the Tampa Bay area is never gonna be the same again. What's real revival? It is hearts and lives coming together to resurrect dead into life to see people's lives changed, and to see what was once broken and lost to a place that's saved and whole. That's what the church of God's called to do. Can you say amen? So let's purpose ourselves. We don't need to scare people about hell. We need to rescue them to heaven in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray for every heart in this place today. Those that may not know you, those that have walked away from you, those that have one foot in church, one foot in the world, I pray that this message would go deep into their hearts and their souls today. At this point of decision, the most important decision they'll ever make is right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you're hearing this message and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today's your day. Maybe you have one foot in the world, one foot outside of the world, and you want to fully devote your heart to Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus wants. He doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. Every part of our being, Jesus wants that. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Glenn, pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I believe that today is a new day, and your life will never be the same because Jesus Christ is going to come into the center of your life. If you want to be that, you want to accept Christ, you want restoration in your heart with him. When I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it high. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir, thank you, thank you. Come over to my right, your left. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Who else, anyone? Yes, thank you, sir. Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raised their hands today? Pray after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life so that I might know life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a great praise offer? And he's so good, isn't he? Church, I love you so much. You're an awesome people. Let's be a light as we walk out these doors today into our mission field.
Pastor Glenn, we appreciate Pastor Glenn so much. Can you join me in just thanking God that he's given us a pastor like him? I wanna encourage you that if you raised your hand to receive Jesus for the first time, we have a gift for you. It's a book called A Fresh Start with God. We have it on either side of the platform here. And after I dismiss you, after a blessing, feel free to come up if you raised your hand. Take this for yourself, read it. Think it'll really help you on your journey. So to receive a blessing today, would you just stand up and raise your hearts up before the Lord or lift, lift up your hands or turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May you be blessed with such a knowledge of heaven that because of the rock of your salvation, the gates of hell will not prevail. And may the Lord bless you keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.